Welcome to Sunday on the Pod with Casey, Flo, and Rosa. <laughs> so, welcome to Sunday on the Pod, which is a podcast all about musicals. However, this podcast isn't just for performers, do not worry. It's for anyone who loves musicals. It might even be for the person out there who doesn't even know they love musical theatre. Anyway, Welcome. This is really exciting because it's actually our first ever episode. So thank you for joining us. Tonight, we will be covering musicals that some of you may love, some of you may hate, you might feel completely indifferent about them, or maybe you've never heard of them before. Either way, musicals is the name of the game. Of course, we do have our favourite musicals, but we will be covering a broad range of genres, writers, eras, styles, you name it, we're going to be singing and dancing about it. So, Each episode, we're going to be picking a musical. We're going to be talking about a brief history of the show, picking apart the songs lyrically, musically, delving into any juicy goss from the past productions, maybe future projects. Um, We're also going to have our go at putting on our very own casting director hats and choosing our fantasy casting. It does have a very small twist as well, so stay tuned for that. And then for our finale, each episode, we're going to be having a fabulous guest performer sing a song from the show. So, what are you waiting for? Sit back and enjoy the pod. Now, some of you may be thinking, who are these people that are talking right now? (laughs) That is a fair enough question. So, my name is Flo, and I am a actress, and I graduated from the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. I'm Rosa, I originally trained in musical theatre, and I have an MA in writing from Goldsmiths. Um, I'm now a kind of working writer, director, uh, kind of freelance practitioner. Um, yeah. And I'm Casey and I uh, trained in musical theatre also, graduated from Blackpool. Um, and I'm kind of smack down in the middle of a PGCE to teach drama. So our musical this week, drumroll please, is West Side Story. Woohoo! Very exciting. Very exciting. We thought uh, after our namesake, obviously Stephen Sondheim, we would kick off with his first ever musical. <laughs> what are you most excited to get into, uh, Casey? I, do you know, I just love the characters in this mm-hmm. in this show. That's my my favorite thing. So I'm quite enjoy- I'm quite looking forward to the uh, fantasy casting we have. The little surprise for later on (laughs) yeah I just love this show so much like Mm. it's always a favorite I think that I just go back to constantly and I think it's like it's almost cringy in the musical theater world to be like oh West Side Story is like one of my favorite shows but it's just that good like it's just so good (laughs) I always forget it's a Sondheim you know I always think Mm. it has such a different vibe to his other sort of you know, when you think about Gypsy and you think about Follies and all that kind of stuff, I think it has the same sort of vibe. Yeah. Like it all has a Sondheim vibe, whereas I think West Side Story is kind of a bit of a standalone one with it. Yeah. But I think also, I, th- I think part of that is because there's also that um, alliance of Leonard Bernstein, right? So yeah. That yeah. It wasn't a huge solely part him. of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like I think, it's like, I think one of yeah, I think I was just gonna say I think one of my favorite things about the musical is the music. Like I'm sure mm. every musical theatre performer probably goes through a stage where they're like obsessed with the soundtrack. I mean, I, I remember when I was like 15, 16, I would listen to the album on repeat and I'd like sing all the different parts 
to my I mean maybe it was just me that did that no I um, feel like everyone did that <laughs> but no but the music I, is just amazing yeah I had a I had that with Heather's I would sit on the bus and listen to <laughs> Heather's the whole album all the way through like twice singing all what's well, your favorite song to sing from Heather's Oh, Dead Girl Walking. Oh my god, I feel like that was everyone. Everyone's like, when that like original cast album came out with Barrett. (laughs) Actually, no. Everyone Uh, was like 16, like, oh my god, I'm Veronica. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I, uh, no, Fight For Me, actually. Fight For Me was more up there. I sang Fight For Me, actually, for my audition for Blackpool. Did you? Yeah, I was was always, Meant To Be Yours was always my like banger from Heather's. I used to always yeah. think, like, oh, my God, this is so, like. Mm. I always wanted to be Heather Chandler, but I, I, I couldn't quite get there. I feel like you are such a Heather Chandler. Like, I can I really think, see that casting for you. Thank you. Love that. I love being <laughs> evil ones. <laughs> yeah, you are. Casey was a brilliant. Um, were you Skylar? Yes. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect casting. But, yeah, I think, like, wh- what you're saying about um, it, it doesn't feel like an inherently Sondheim piece um, is because, of, of course, it, it was his kind of first foray. But I think as well, people, I think the, the big success of West Side Story, it has to come from the fact that it is like the five powerhouses of musical theatre at that time coming yeah. together. I don't think we've ever had anything like this ever again, ever since. This is like a one in a million meeting of the minds. You've got Arthur Lawrence on book. You have concept, original direction, and choreography by Jerome Robbins, like the godfather of musical <laughs> theatre dance. You've got music by Leonard Bernstein, arguably like one of the most ingenious composers of musical theatre. You have, in his debut, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and then it's produced by Harold Prince. It's like, how was this not going to be a hit <laughs> with those five people at the helm? It's just absolutely mad. And of course it was. It was incredibly popular. So coming out uh, in 1957, the original production immediately went on to be nominated for six Tonys. And it won two for Best Choreo and Best Scenic Design, hilariously. Oh. Um, which, yeah, I did look up pictures of the original um, original scenic design, which we will post on post on the socials. But, I mean, it's nice. For sure, it's nice, but <laughs> um, and then in 1961, it was made into a movie. Now, it's not just me that thinks this; a lot of other people do. But it is the hands down the best and most successful musical to film adaptation of all time for me. It is the perfect translation into a different into the film medium. I cannot describe to you how many times I've watched that film. And how every time, even though it's now more than, what well, was that, 60 years old, it just still feels like so new to me and so exciting. And ah, like it, it never gets old for me. Um, so that came out in 1961, directed by Rob Wise and starring Natalie Wood. Um, it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards and it won 10, including Best Picture. 10 Academy Awards. Not too bad. not too too bad at all um yeah just an absolute powerhouse i love that movie what's the record what's the record actually for most academy awards won for one uh for one film Um, i think i think it's i think it's 11 actually 
Wow. Um, let me do some quick googling in real time. Uh, give a give me a jingle while I'm doing this. <laughs> it was yeah it is 11 so it's lord of the rings the return of the king and titanic titanic, titanic. 11 oscars wow. you're joking me and I, think, I feel i feel like i knew that i feel like i had that knowledge sort of tucked away somewhere titanic was really successful when it came out titanic are you joking me what the f- what sorry i'm not gonna swear but what Actually, no, I think we can swear on the pod. What did it, what did Titanic win? <laughs> we can swear on the pod. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. I know this is not. Also, can I just say, this is a slight side note. I, my biggest hatred, which will is going to come up time and time and again. I hate this new trend of like adapting any successful film into a musical because it, I, I just don't think it works half the time. I think it's stupid and I think it's just like a total cash cow. But I am predicting it is on my 2023 scorecard, Titanic the Musical. It's coming. I thought that was already a thing. You're joking, is it? It is, yes. I I swear. I swear that's a thing. There is a Titanic musical. There is, although it isn't an adaptation based on the movie. It is just based on the Titanic. But it isn't like like Jack and Rose. I've seen that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm actually why am I so stupid I've like I've actually gone to see that show because my friends have been in it yeah I actually do know that no I'm talking about like a movie adaption I'm talking like also I was just about to say Fred and Rose and it that's Fred and Rose West <laughs> what's the guy's name you Jack? mean Jack and Rose Jack! wow <laughs> wow <laughs> Oh my god, sorry about that. That was my true crime brain coming in there. Also, I should, should uh, flag, I have a horrendous chest infection, so I do apologise if I sound awful. Um, yeah, I want like a straight Jack and Rose adaption. I don't, well, I don't want it. I, that's why I'm predicting a straight Jack and Rose adaption. Um, yeah, I'm just looking up what Titanic won. Best original score, that makes sense. Best picture, best director, best visual song effects. Song as well, wasn't it? Original song? Of course. Kate Winslet, uh, sorry, God, I really did not know that Kate Winslet won that award yeah. for Best Actress. Love Kate God. Winslet. I love her, but that doesn't feel like the role she maybe should have won that for. But I think I think she was so young when she was in it. She was so young when she was cast in Titanic, right? So maybe that I was part know. of it. And to be fair, her chemistry with... Um, Jack, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's it. And <laughs> cut. Um, yeah, her her chemistry with Leo was huge. Like, yeah, I mean, that must have been a bummer for him, wasn't it? Because he didn't win his Oscar until like three, four years yeah. ago. So he was like, ev- they won eleven Oscars and he didn't win one of them. <laughs> that is, that's not great. Shame. Yeah. But he was nominated for a bunch. Of... I think. I just, are you guys he... like a part of the whole Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio, like? Because they kind of love each other, right? Like seriously, yeah. They I were think... in another. They were in another film oh. together. Revolutionary oh, um, Road. Revolutionary Road. I yeah. love that yes. movie. So yes. good. So that good. film is so good. Yeah, but have you ever seen she? She won like a BAFTA or something. Maybe it wasn't BAFTA, and like she was like, "Oh, thank you so much to my husband. Yeah, I love you." And then she was like, "Leo, I have loved you for thirty 
years or like something and it was like completely just bypassed her husband and was just talking to him it's so good if you haven't seen it is it as oh. good as um is it as good as bradley cooper and lady gaga at the oscars oh god yeah, i watched that, that in nice. real time and was like i can smell the divorce papers <laughs> i know that was really bad that was awful and everyone was like no they're just acting they're just acting i'm like no they were so ready to kiss and it was just yeah also like you're not in the film anymore like it's I don't, why are you acting? I didn't get that at all. I was like, and oh. scene. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they slept together during A Star Is Born? Oh, 100%. I think yeah. it's so easy when you're cast opposite someone in like a romantic pairing. You're, it's so easy. I don't know about if that's just me. Oh no, yeah. Yeah, I think once you, when you've got that connection with someone and you're, you're working on it like 24 seven basically, especially for something big like Titanic or like a star is born where they would have been together 24 <laughs> seven. Have you ever uh, like kind of fallen for someone that you've played opposite with? I wouldn't say fallen for, um, I don't know if I should say this, but I, I had very high expectations for drama school, you know, that, you know, everyone falls in love with each other and all this stuff. I just didn't have that. I was oh, like, excuse no. me, where is where is these people? Um, yeah. But <laughs> that sounds really bad. My year was gorgeous and I loved my year. But by the end of the third year, I just saw all the guys, all the girls are just like brothers and sisters. Like that that was it. Yeah. Like even, even in my final show, um, uh, the, one of our directors asked me to kiss. I'm not going to name names. He asked me to kiss one of my friends in the scene like just 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 because it worked for the story and mm-hmm. I just turned around and I was like I can't do that I'm really <gasps> sorry I just can't I know I was like I just can't kiss him and he was like yeah. why and I was like I just can't I'm, I just can't do it because he's he's like I just don't see him like that at all which is really bad and obviously now I wouldn't have that but yeah, yeah the person who I'm talking about knows who they are so that's mm. devastating I um, had like a similar <laughs> thing actually in I think it was like my last year and there was this scene that I was doing as part of this project. Like, it wasn't for a show we were doing, but it was, like, part of a project um, for, like, a different class. I think it was, like, a devising class. And, it, like, in the scene, we I had to kiss this person. And, like, we'd written the scene together and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, last minute, um, the person that was meant to be in it couldn't be in it and it had to get had to get someone else in. And then we just had to... I just had to rewrite it because I was like, I cannot kiss this person. Like, yeah. I just can't kiss this but person. Isn't that it bizarre? Would be so weird. It, but but, but, then, yeah. but like now, now if like I meet a complete stranger, like obviously not a complete stranger, but if I was cast in something now where I didn't know the person, I'd feel far more comfortable kind of accepting mm. that we had to kiss rather mm-hmm. than like really, really knowing that person. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, back to my side story. I knew this was going to happen <laughs> on the first pod, just getting distracted by musical theatre tales. Um, but yeah, an absolutely hugely successful film. Um, and qu- what's quite interesting is, so Leonard Bernstein, one of my favourite, favourite musical theatre composers of all time, was, of course, blacklisted for alleged communist activities, uh, kind of in the McCarthy era. Um, but what's interesting is Jerome Robbins had kind of actually cooperated with the House of Un-American Activities Committee. So the the people that were like, involved in blacklisting these people oh, wow. um I know so you would think there that there would have been some kind of 
and maybe there was like a little bit of kind of uh tension but yeah they decided to work with one another anyway which i thought was quite interesting Okay, so I'll just go quickly through the plot of West Side Story. It's kind of an adaption of Romeo and Juliet. We have um, Maria, a kind of young Puerto Rican girl. Her brother is the head of the Sharks, which is the Puerto Rican gang. Um, She falls for Tony, our Romeo character, who is part of the American gang called the Jets. Um, All sorts of kind of Shakespearean uh, drama entails with Barnardo being killed and... The sharks wear revenge upon Tony um, and, of course, leads to his ultimate demise. Um, But a small, lovely twist, Maria does not die at the end. Spoiler alert, but it also has been out for 60 years. So if you don't know West Side Story, (laughs) What have you been doing? (laughs) What have you been doing? (laughs) Um, Instead of kind of an old maid character, they actually have Anita, who is Maria's best friend. And she also goes out with Bernardo, um, which I always think is quite cool because... That's like my most hated part of Romeo and Juliet is that old maid character because it's basically do you mean, like... Do you, is it the nurse? Yeah, the nurse, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, here's like... They just love to be like, here's a fat old woman. And yeah, she's going to be your guiding light because she doesn't get a story of her own. So I kind of like that they uh, um, they made Anita like a fully fledged human being. And, and Anita has like so much story. I always think Anita is the most interesting character. Maria's kind of boring. Um, yeah, Anita really has like she's the kind of the coolest, and she's the only one that really has to be a triple threat. She has it's, to be. A it's great sort singer. of the the Sandy and Rizzo sort of thing. I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but when I was a kid, I didn't I didn't care about Sandy. I was like all about Rizzo because mm. I just thought Sandy was boring. And she I feel, is boring. I feel the same way with Maria. I'm a bit like, oh, I get that she's a, she's she's so young, and this is kind of like her finding her feet in in romance sort of thing but Anita's so she's so like she's like, the, sa- like yeah. the sassy sexy one yeah yeah. Like, yeah yeah that's like the best part of like uh the tonight quintet when Anita's like oh Anita's gonna get her kicked and that kills me it's so good yeah. it's so good oh I love that um yeah and quite an interesting fact here it was originally, instead of being kind of Puerto Ricans and American gangs, it was going to be about Protestants and Catholics or Catholics and uh, Jewish people. <laughs> that was the uh, original kind of like warring factions, which I think in like New York at the time, there was a lot of prejudices between those two kind of minority groups. But very interesting. And I think I would have liked to have seen like the first draft for that. <laughs> I can't um, imagine how that would go. Like, I know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Protestants versus what would it, what was it going to be? Protestants, but, uh, Protestants versus, versus Catholics. Catholics, which of course that Catholics. is like a big, you know, we're not going to get yeah, but, into all that. But <laughs> I'm not sure how the songs would have been. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just seems really <laughs> odd. An odd choice. Yeah, I'm glad that they decided to not go with that um but yeah it's much more interesting kind of place to be and like pretty controversial i'd say to be putting that out in the in the 1960s to be like hey you like america treats like people that come into its country really badly (laughs) they treat non-white people really badly i think it's but that's classic kind of bernstein and sondheim i think is they like to kind of make political points in the guise of fun shows (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Sondheim loves a, a hard-hitting sort of, this is the truth, this is the reality. I think yeah. he hits that so well in all of his shows. When you think about all the different 
like in company the actual like the depth of like the loneliness and depression and yeah and the kind of uh, gender uh politics as well yeah 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 absolutely yeah very interesting oh love you sometime r.i.p it was a year last week, wasn't it? That yeah, it was. It came up a year. Yeah, a whole year. Yeah, that angel. But yeah, so West Side Story filled with absolute bangers. Uh, Flo, what's one of your favourite numbers? I love the song Maria. Um, so, Maria. so Maria is sung by Tony. Tony, mm. <laughs> Tony was part of the Jet Gang, which is the American side. But he wasn't, I think at the beginning of the story, right, he had kind of moved away from the Jets. I think it's it yeah, part he's, of the story. Yeah, he, it's the classic, like, you know, at the start of uh, Romeo and Juliet where, um, like, Romeo's moping about after that other girl. And he's like, yes. none of my friends get me. And, oh, <laughs> like, I'm destined for bigger things. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. kind of Tony at the start of this. But much less annoying than... Romeo, I would say. Romeo, I'm always just like, shut up whenever I hear those. <laughs> I feel like, like you've got a real words. hate towards Romeo and Juliet. No, I don't. You've got a fat nurse, to... apparently. <laughs> apparently, Tony. No, but I hate it. It's I... annoying. <laughs> Sorry, as a fat woman and as a fat actress, I hate that they always cast the nurse as like, She's what they think fat. is like fat and ugly. Yeah, yeah it's so annoying. Um, but yeah, no, I just think Romeo's <laughs> super whiny. I'm like, buck up, buttercup. <laughs> but they are, but they are very young. Like, but, but the characters are like seriously young. I think Juliet is like 13 and Romeo is yeah, 16. So. so they are teenagers and teenagers are a little bit annoying. So very. Yeah. I know that. I think that might be part of it. Yeah. Something's coming though. I will say that is a beautiful song. That's true. An absolute banger. But sorry, take us take us away with Maria. Sure. So um yeah, I think M- Maria for me is particularly interesting and from like a musical point of view. So I, I think there are so many elements to the song which are so clever. One of the things in particular, this is getting really technical now, but I love I love getting into the nitty-gritty musical stuff. Um uh, Leonard Bernstein's written a lot of uh, tritones within the music. Mm-hmm. And for some people that don't know what tritones are, that's also fine. Um, basically, a tritone is like an interval that sits between what you'd call like a perfect fourth and a perfect fifth. So it, it sounds it sounds dissonant. It sounds dodge, basically. Um, but it's really interesting that he used these tritones in the song Maria. And it's actually the first word that he sings, like Maria, that bit, that is also excuse my voice a little bit poorly at the moment um <laughs> that that is that is that that is that tritone interval um so straight off the bat there's like a dissonance to the song and historically that tritone uh was seen as like a devil's interval um, oh really yeah it's really interesting so back in the day churches actually banned that interval ever being heard because they associated it with the devil because it sounded so to them, it sounded so like creepy and kind of, um, and I think it's also part of the fact that the sound feels very unresolved. So it yeah. doesn't feel like a pure kind of like right sound, which is which is part of the reason why they 
they kind of they they banned it um but for me I find that really from from like an actor's perspective I find that very Mm. interesting because you know this is technically his love song about Maria um but there's kind of that um musical dissonance that you're fighting against so it's kind of like a foreboding of what's to come um yeah absolutely it's like foreshadowing the kind of ultimate yeah because they don't really have a resolution of course, well, yeah, like, exactly. Their story never really gets started, so yeah, it's yeah. that kind of. And they do so much foreshadowing, like musically. So much. I mean, yeah. If we're even going to talk about it, the the um, overture. It's like a nine minute long overture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to West Side Story, and I'm always like a bit funny with overtures because I a lot of the time in kind of older um, oh, they, musicals, I think. So it's yeah, a bit like, can we start now? <laughs> Is there yeah. really a point? But it it has such a beautiful dual purpose yeah. in um, establishing the themes. Definitely, yeah, and, yeah, and even just directly because they have that kind of opening. Um, God, I've forgotten the name of it, which is awful. That's like where's the prologue? Yeah, the opening. <laughs> that's so bad. I forgot that. <laughs> um, that opening prologue that you know two households both alike in dignity. Uh huh. Um, and it outlines exactly what happens. It tells you like two star-crossed lovers, but uh, it tells you that they die, and that's exactly what that overture does. Is it yeah. goes through every single number and it tells you musically exactly what's about to happen. I think that. But actually, just one of the many things that's so clever about the show. That's really interesting that you said that because I was gonna. I was going to say um, that even though there's a, there's tritones in Maria, they actually secretly appear in the in the uh, prologue and in the Jet song. So you don't really? really hear it. Yeah, but he uses tritones in both those songs. So it's so clever. He's already establishing that dissonance and that clash within the music, mm-hmm. which is seen with, with the two rival gangs. Like, there's already that form of tension that he's built. So without you even realising, the listener can hear that something doesn't feel right, that it feels unresolved, there's mm-hmm. kind of something, there's something kind of chilling about it. And then when it's used in the Maria song, I'm like, now he does it again. So clever. Like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, so, so and clever. It, and it feels, it's, like, almost unnerving because... It's like the kind of standard setup for musicals this feels like oh my god we've got this beautiful love song this is the start of their journey but there's something that you're hearing that's like oh not right it kind yeah. of clenches you there's something not right yeah and I always think that song sounds like I just it's such a weird analogy but like I think it just because of um the kind of orchestration it feels like it's almost sung in like a vacuum like yeah. he, it really feels like he is like speaking that out into the universe and the universe is like echoing it back it's like it's not being received by anyone that's what I always think when I hear that song it's such a lonely song um yeah actually that's really interesting I never thought about it like that yeah yeah I always feel that song is so lonely um even you know it's so beautiful but it does make me I don't know there's something about it it's like a diary that yeah absolutely that's exactly what it is yeah what was that it's like a a diary entry, like he's putting out everything he wants to say, but it's not being received by anyone. Sort of yeah. like he's he's written it in a diary. Yeah, that's a really beautiful way of saying that. Um, but I guess like the point, I guess maybe because obviously the song before that he sung, Something's Coming, like mm-hmm. that's like his release from that, right? Because he's before that been like, I feel like something's about to happen. And then it turns into this song, which is just, yeah, 
I don't know. It's it's so interesting. There's so many different ways to interpret it as a song. Yeah, and I like something's coming is so like vibrant and punchy and exciting. Yeah, the rhythms are kind of driving forward. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's just got such a constant like driving forward, and you're just propelled. And then Maria feels like it's like almost like you like a dream come screeching to a halt. It's oh. like everything stopped, isn't it? And then he's just taking like this. He doesn't want to move forward. He almost just wants to like wallow in this moment of just this girl who he knows nothing about it about her apart from her name, really. And that's what he focuses on, and he just wants to exist within that kind of sphere for a while. But I guess so you could say interesting. you could say that that's how love feels like. Oh, that's very cute. Which sounds really soppy, but you know, love you do kind of feel like there's no time. Like time stops, yeah. right? And uh-huh. it kind of just feels like yeah, it feels like you're in this kind of weird kind of universe where you're like anything can happen. Um mm-hmm. which I guess yeah, might be why yeah. Maybe that's really yeah. soft of me to say. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, not at all. And he and what is like in something's coming, he says, No, something to you any day, I will know right away as soon as it shows. And that's kind of what happens when they meet at the at the dance. It's like because we have the beautiful like Mamba song. Yeah. And then it's like and it's just them two, and the orchestration dies, and it is like this total focus, isn't it? Like laser focus of these two people like meeting each other. Um oh. God, it's so good. It's what, such a great what's song. What's your favourite lyric in Maria? Mine is, I've actually written it down because I wanted to remember. It's um, all the beautiful sounds of the world in a single word. Yeah. Which I just yeah. think is so... If someone said that about my name, <laughs> I, 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 I would meet you at the altar tomorrow. It's just such, <laughs> it's such a lovely way to describe someone's name. It's really love, and especially because he's not, you know, I mean, the Jets in general is all about being tough guy, like bravado, that sort of Jack the Lad sort of thing. So it is really beautiful that it's kind of like, it's kind of, if he had said this, these things in front of his friends, he would be getting absolutely <laughs> ripped yeah. for oh it. Oh my God, yeah. But then when, I love the lyric when he's, is it, say it softly and it's almost like praying or yeah that's my favorite yeah I I love that because I'm like you know if his friends were there they'd be like shut up and like that that's what's so gorgeous is like I mean oh it's just the genius of Bernstein and Sondheim but when when he says like it's because he says um uh say it loud and there's music playing say it soft and it's almost like praying and it it does have this beautiful build of orchestration when he's like really going for it with like because obviously he says the, he says Maria about a million times but there's some really big Marias that we get we have this beautiful orchestration behind it and then the last Maria is like everything stripped away it's such minimal orchestration and it's so soft and he obviously does that beautiful high note I don't even know what the note is was it an A um, and it is just oh and it is it's like a prayer it's like. He's just like like all of this kind of like feeling out, but the last way that he wants to say her name for us is this beautifully soft, like really <laughs> vulnerable, boy-like, high like way of saying it. It's just so gorgeous to me. Like, oh. But you know what? Also, he the to get back into the musical like technical stuff, he resolves it at the end. Like that, that ending is like a resolved finish. So it's like, it's, it's what makes it so sad is that it's like, 
I think Tony as a character, he wants he wants a life. He wants a certain life. Like he and with Maria, he sees that. But there's he's got that undertone of reality. Like what actually is his life, which is this gang, um, which is the thing that stops him from yeah from living his life with Maria. But fun fact: Do you know how many times he says Maria in the song Maria? I'm sure this was in a quiz I did once. I'm going to say, like, 65. Right. Casey, what do you Higher, think? Yeah. Oh, God. Maybe oh. I'll go too high. I think 55. Okay. You guys are way, way too high. It's, 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 it's <laughs> 29. Um, close. Oh. <laughs> 1,200. No, very, very close. <laughs> quite a lot though it's a short song yeah I used to always like because my middle name's Maria and um, I used to always like to think it was about me like (laughs) Rosemary I would like to hear that version please (laughs) I would love to know just how many boys sing that as their audition into musical theatre courses (laughs) I would love to know the ratio (laughs) Because I imagine it's like on par with. I'm trying to think of like waving through a window is a big one. (laughs) I remember when we were at university and that musical came out, and we were doing auditions for the show, and four different boys all sang the same song. That yeah, you know what? Musical theater boys like to make fun of musical theater girls for like for being like, oh my god, this song is so me. The amount of boys that were like this is my song like when waving through a window came they were like i am evan hansen this is me oh i do like that song though i want to hate that song but i do like it it's cute and you know what i have learned to slam on the brakes before i've even turned the key before i've made the mistake i don't even know what the best is and on that note, Rosa, what is your favourite song in, <laughs> in the show? I, so I, ha- I mean, I love West Side Story. I have a million favourite songs. There's just, there's so many to choose from. Um, I even went through a weird phase of like, uh, their kind of fake marriage song. Um, oh, one Hand, One, one Heart. Oh, oh, I love that song. That is so gorgeous. Yeah. And again, it's so short. It's so simple because it's mimicking Romeo and Juliet where their marriage is actually only like, what, half a page of dialogue. And it's like not really a big thing that it's made of. Uh, yeah, I love that. I think it's very, I think that's a very beautiful song. And there's like a million songs in West Side Story. I think it's about like, a, definitely the Tonight Quintet is just like an absolute feat. It's a banger. Um, it's just a banger. It is. That, I mean, Jesus. I want to sing we every have... part at exactly the same time. <laughs> like, is that too much to ask? <laughs> yeah, it's so clever. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it kind of establishes, I think, Bernstein is like the king of reprises. <clears throat> like, the man loves a reprise, but he really does use them for, like, appropriate reasons. And, like, the Tonight Quintet is a perfect, a perfect, perfect, perfect act to closer because it reestablishes all of the characters' motives with the gang's motives, the sharks and the jet, uh, Anita, Maria and Tony, Anita, Bernardo, it reestablishes all of their motives and the problems that they're facing and where they are right now in the story and where we're going to get to next. It's just like, it's like such a perfect quintet. Um, and when do you ever hear, I feel like quartets are really popular. 
when do you ever hear of like is there has there ever been I mean there must have been but as famous a quintet in all of kind of musical theater history it's just so bold I think yeah I think Sondheim loves complicated scores he really Mm. you know it's like when you go into an audition room and you bring in a Sondheim piece and it's always like you can hear a collective groan from the pianist yeah yeah, from the pianist (laughs) because it's like oh because I think he loves having that sort of hectic chaotic you know all at once I think I mean I don't know I don't know what's like what kind of accounts as a quintet and what accounts as a an ensemble sort of song <laughs> yeah he does a, like a little night music uh weekend in the country like he does love an ensemble number where like everyone is like yeah he loves to like basically resolve like an act one by being like uh by being like Here's everyone's problems. Yeah, here's all the drama. <laughs> here's the drama and what they're about to do in Act Two, <laughs> which is quite chaotic and fun. Like I do enjoy that. <laughs> um, but I would say the star of West Side Story, for just how bold it is, just for how beautiful it is, and how rare it is, um, is a boy like that. <laughs> um, we just never ever really hear of two women having what is essentially like a love duet um, kind of between them both. It, it kind of reminds me of like Calamity Jane in a sense, because I always think that with like a woman's touch. For me, that feels like a very romantic. I love that song. Oh, it's so good. This, but that always feels to me like an inherently romantic song. The fact that the fact that Calamity Jane is straight is not accurate. If they redid that, she is a queer woman. That is not a straight yeah. woman. No, not at all. Like, and that's not a like a straight platonic friendship. No, like, they, they're, literally, they're literally talking about moving in together and making like a woman's home and yeah, and even like the double entendre of like a woman's touch. And they like, were, and they were roommates. <laughs> and they were roommates. Yeah, like it astounds me that we're meant to just believe that Clammy got married at the end and we're like oh yeah <laughs> and she's wearing and they put her in a wedding dress yeah in the after movie. the whole I never get that. No, the whole time she's wearing her like signature like cowboy get up with the knee-high the boots and the stirrups yeah. and like a little cap and then suddenly like now she's found a man and she wears she's wearing a dress yeah as if she would be comfortable and happy in that dress like so stupid anyway so <laughs> i think it's really rare to have like there's lots of female duets and musical theater but to really have one that is just like is fueled with such passion when it's about friendship is very rare, I think. I think Wicked attempts it with and and does a wonderful job um with um I was about to call it because I knew you. Um what is it called? For good. <laughs> For good. <laughs> like because I knew you. Um yeah, they attempt it, but this is like it's passionate a boy like that you can like feel the energy it's like red it's hot. an argument it's, oh. isn't it? Is it basically it's, it's like a telling off really isn't it yeah well, I, and it's so yeah. oh sorry i was gonna say i feel like anita almost acts as like her sister figure because she yeah. i think anita is slightly older right than um than maria even though obviously she's uh she's going out with um maria's brother it still feels like 
she has such like a protective nature over her and but also mm-hmm. but also I, th- I think I think you're right like she is angry and she's upset because it's almost like Maria is so blinded by love that she can't see that her own brother has just been murdered and she still yeah. is going back to this boy well the stakes are so high um at that point and and, and it really that's I think that's why I don't like Maria that much because this, what she has done to Anita is such a betrayal. So, like, just before this, obviously her brother's died. That's Anita's, like, love of her life has just died. Anita's still, like, and what uh, what Maria's asking her to do is to, because she's worried, all she's worried about is Tony, right? Yeah, is to go to Dot. And she's no, asking Dot. Maria yeah. to yeah, um, to go to Doc's shop and deliver a message to Tony. To go to the place where the people who are going to be there at night have killed her one true love at night and as a young woman I mean what Maria is asking her to do is like is just absolutely mental uh, wait um, but, don't, but doesn't she I might be completely wrong but I swear she gets raped yeah, she she gets sexually assaulted. Horrendous. It's kind of like a weird thing you where, like, yeah, you, you kind of don't know. It. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it, I think Jerome Robin. I think the original insinuation that they kind of do it through movement is yeah. that she is sexually assaulted. God. Um, so yeah, the stakes are incredibly high, and it is just so passion filled. This song because Anita is basically saying, like, I love you, but you have betrayed kind of everything that we know and everything that we're comfortable with for these people who have acted so awfully to us. And yes, she understands that Tony, Maria doesn't see Tony like that, but what she's saying is, well, they're all kind of like that, which you've got to hand it to Anita. That has been her experience <laughs> and is there for, and then is absolutely confirmed after this when she goes and then she is, she's assaulted. It's mm-hmm. absolutely horrendous. But my kind of, my most favorite thing, my favorite thing I think about the song uh, musically is that they're they're in different octaves. So <laughs> Anita takes the kind of like lower octave, and she sounds kind of gorgeous and moody, and uh, then Maria comes in with her kind of like oh Disney princess sort of Disney princess, yeah, so so strange. Um, and so like disconcerting and like it's so it's almost like uncomfortable to listen to even though it's so beautiful and then at the end they have these kind of soaring harmonies um just and the line is absolutely stunning and and they kind of interweave don't they so they they'll do a kind of like a bit of a I think it's like a, I think it's a fifth that they jump up to and the other one goes down so they're kind of they're like soaring over one another um, for the most wonderful lyric ever. When love comes so strong, there is no right or wrong. Your love is your life. And they, they're they in two different octaves singing the same note. And that's because, yeah, they are agreeing on what they're saying. They agree on this sentiment on love, but they're talking about two completely different things. Anita is talking about her love for Maria because at the end of this, she's resolved to, she's going to do this thing for her, this massive sacrifice. She's going to make it for her. And Maria's ta- talking about Tony. Well, that's really and interesting so you he- said that because I always, I always interpreted it as that they, fa- they find a common interest by the end of the song. 
Well, like they both, they both find a common interest of like, we both know that our love is our life. Like mm. Anita with Bernardo, Maria with Tony. So on a level, she's like, I understand why you're acting this way now, like at the end of the song. But maybe that's me. But again, again, you can see it in so many different ways. Uh, oh, well, I think, yeah, exactly. And that's what, like, that's always been my interpretation is that actually it's kind of, it's Anita's being like, I love you so much. And this is the power I of like my friendship that. and how much love I have for you that I'm going to do this thing that really is like repellent to me. This is going to the people who has just killed the love of her life, but she's going to do that for Maria because she loves her so much. But I agree. It could also be that her feelings for Bernardo, she recognizes in Maria's feelings for Tony. Yeah. That's Um, how I read it. That's how it's kind of like, she's so opposed to it at the beginning of the song. And then by the end of it, she's sort of like, well, you know, I felt this way about Bernardo and, I, you know, if one of us has to lose someone, it's better yeah. one than both sort of thing. She again so. makes her the better character because you're like, oh, you know. She is. She's the better woman. Yeah. <laughs> but then that's, what, that's like the maturity in her as well, isn't it? Like, I must you I mean, it's sort of, is it said that she's older? I mean, we kind of just know. I'm no, d- I think it's just insinuated. Like, she's more experienced. Yeah, she's more, she's, I mean. Sexually, um, it's kind of insinuated. And- but I'm guessing Bernardo was an older brother anyway. So for him to be with mm-hmm. with Anita, it's sort of, yeah. you know, Maria's that kind well, of. Well, it's kind of classic thing, isn't it? There's like two couples and, and they are the much more kind of like sexually charged couple. And Maria and Tony are much more pure and, um is that's kind of like the drama that was what to say the drama there it's not a drama um but yeah <laughs> it's so I think we just it's drama I think we just assume that Anita is almost like more worldly and of course Anita we see in America as well and I, that's my like, favorite song I think it's so good yeah that she she's much more clued into what's going on yeah Maria doesn't really care what's going on politically um whereas Anita seems much more kind of like clued into it um yeah, and more confident, I guess, in in kind of talking to to boys. I as think, well. yeah, I think in a way, it's sort of that Anita and Bernardo and such have sort of lived in that world, and they've sort of lived in that with that racism towards them. And I've got, I, I don't know, I feel like Maria just hasn't experienced that. Probably, I think she's probably been protected a lot of the time mm-hmm. by the older members of her family and the the gang and sort of that that aspect but it's kind of as if she's some sort of like debutante and this is her only so like mm-hmm. you know like the beginning of the movie is kind of her first coming out into yeah. into those sort of outings and into those dances whereas before she was probably so young that mm-hmm. she stayed at home in sort of like a childlike way and now she's just started to get into this so she's not clued up on all of the situations and she probably doesn't recognize this racism and doesn't think it's as bad as what everybody's saying because she hasn't experienced it yet which I think is really interesting because it's it's it is as if she's a is she's so childlike yeah because there's that I'm trying to think of the line and in tonight um the duet between uh Tony and Maria um because there's it, like, that's a beautiful song anyway and I I think like we haven't even talked about it but like Sondheim has this he uses like which is kind of harkens back to Romeo and Juliet um and Shakespeare's kind of use of like the stars and the moon is kind of 
allegories for young love and and Sondheim uses that as well because he says uh, with suns and um, moons that bit yeah Yeah. all over the place yeah which is I just love that line I think it's so like innocent and sweet (laughs) it is it's so cute but they have a lot of hilarious kind of like talking bits in between tonight um like one of my favorite bits is um (laughs) it's so random she goes like Tony uh what does Tony stand for and he goes Anton and I just always think this doesn't feel like we're propelling the story forward here, but um, I like that bit of detail. And then, um, and then like, and there's something else that he's, she's like, oh, Tony. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, when you come tomorrow, use the back door. And he's like, okay. And it's, it just feels like really random bits of information. Oh, it's I like so, it. Yeah. yeah. It's so I think it's, it's very reminiscent of like sort of Disney princess uh, you know you've met a man and that is it that is the love of your life and you're going to get married tomorrow because I think they're so young and so naive and it's kind of like yes this is a love story but do you know this person that's why they've got that dialogue <laughs> in there to kind of go oh what's your name again <laughs> like yeah I love you but what's your name short yeah. for and it's yeah exactly it's it re- kind of reminds me especially with the relationship between Maria and Anita in the same way of um in Frozen, Elsa and Anna, where Elsa's kind of like, you cannot marry a man you've just met. <laughs> it's it's kind of that sort of relationship between them, which I, I think it's kind of nice. It, you know, it's timeless sort of. I think I think I think it's also that like cultural thing as well. Like culturally, Tony to her probably doesn't sound like a normal name, so maybe she's yeah. being oh, like, course. what what does it stand for? Um. Yeah. Which again is like her naivety in the whole situation. Yeah. But it, it's in one of those kind of um, those bit those talking bits that he says. Uh, so her father is calling her. Oh yeah, he, he calls her it. something. But it's like Iruka or something. Baruka says, oh, or some, something name. like that. Baruka. It was yeah yeah, and then he's like he's like oh what does that stand for and blah blah, blah. and then he says. Um, she she tells him what it means. She's like, oh, it's his pet name for me. And he says, I like it. And he will like me. And uh, Maria says, no, uh, he won't understand. He won't like you. He, you know, he'll think you're just like the others. Um, and then <laughs> Tony does like a classic. He's like, but I'm not one of them, Maria, which always <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, but she, she, she kind of dismisses her father like that, I think, by being like, oh, he won't understand. And it's like... Classic teenager. His, yeah, but it's like his experience, though, probably from that community, and especially from the white people in that community, has been inherently negative. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, yeah, of course he's going to react like that, and of course he's going to be concerned, but she just doesn't seem to kind of gauge that. She, It's this kind of naivety that you were talking about. Anita is clued into how, how they're treated and how they're seen, and Maria's quite innocent of that. Yeah. I love those little talking bits. I think they're so funny. I don't know why. I just think they're so cute. I think that's kind of lost in new musicals, sort of. I I love the kind of little interludes of conversation in, in between a song. But yeah, I know what you mean, though, because one of my favourite songs in Rent, which I'm so annoyed about because basically there's a song in Rent um, called Christmas Bells, and it is like a seven-minute random like ensemble really doesn't have that much of a reason for being their number apart from like 
they just needed a lot of scenes to happen, but I don't think they wanted to make it longer. So they just thought like, I'm just going to smash it all into one. And there's like the most random bits in it. Um, where, sorry, it's not called Christmas Bells. It's, it's called And It's Beginning to Snow because um, it starts off by saying Christmas Bells are. And then there's like a random bit in it where like Collins and um, Angel are like haggling with a woman over a coat. And it's so weird. <laughs> and I always think, can we not have cut that? Like, I just feel like there's more important things. But I think it is missed, this kind of like random bit. But then I was just actually thinking, Flo, not to be like, oh, and my musical. So uh, to give context, people, I wrote uh, a show a couple of years ago that Flo was in. And do you remember, Flo, there was that one scene that I I wrote a really random, <laughs> random like pre-song chatter um what was the number it was before it's when they're at the party new vision before the new vision oh my and, <laughs> and your kind of partner in the scene is like um hey I love these crab sticks <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone at the time kind of was like oh what a funny line and that's really silly and I was like yeah it was just a complete filler line <laughs> complete filler oh line god um, yeah, what is your favorite number slash any lyrics, Casey? My favorite is America. I love that number. Yeah. And I think it just is given a lot of context. I think it's kind of, I think it's given a lot of context as to what these people have experienced and as to why they are so, you know, opposed to the Jets. And it's kind of foreshadowing that kind of, look, this is why we don't like them. This is what we've had to put up with since we've lived here. But I, it's done in such a way where it's like all singing, all dancing, and it's so fun. But it's actually talking about quite a... Like, it, it's them talking about how much racism they've received. Yeah. But it is... Yeah, this, like, supposed land of the free of, like, possibilities and you can be anything you want, but it's like, nope, we're we've been given this and yeah. like, what, what's the line? It's like, um, I'll, I'll go and buy like a new washing machine. It's like, what do you have to keep clean? Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, you can go and do these things, but <laughs> the reality is, and it's like, you don't have the social capital to make anything of yourself because they won't let you. Yeah. When it's like, I'll get a, an apartment and it's like, well, better get rid of your accent. It's the whole, yeah. yeah it's that sort of, you are not like, they don't, they're not treated as if they are a citizen. Yeah, um, but buying on credit is so nice. One look at us and they charge twice. Yeah, <laughs> but it's such a happy song. It's it's really, it's that contrast that I really enjoy, I think. It's such a, a you know, a hard-hitting thing when you're actually reading the lyrics. But I don't know if it's them kind of making the best out of a bad situation of them kind of just like, well, this is what we've always had to deal with. So it's kind of just a smile and get on with it sort of job but it's it's like a big show-off moment for the girls isn't it yeah it's like such a showcase for the girls it's a it's like a beautiful female number where they're they're kind of saying like to the, like the men like yeah you don't need to tell us what the reality is because we know yeah and we're living it actually so let us tell you a story mm-hmm. um but I just love how yeah. Anita takes charge of it I just love Anita She's my favourite. Oh, I know. I love her so much. So, for the 
campy gossip expert, we have um, excerpts. So <laughs> the campy gossip excerpts. Ex, ex, how do you say that word? Excerpts? <laughs> excerpts. Yeah, I can never... Yeah. <laughs> ex, expert? No, it's not expert. Excerpt, no. I think. Anyway. Are you going to make a jingle going forward for this, Casey? A jingle? Like, that I sing myself? I think the listeners would want to hear a jingle. <laughs> okay, I could, I'll try and think of one. Like a... <laughs> Like a little ditty that I come up with every time we go get to this segment. Yeah, I think you should impersonate a different, like, Broadway legend every time. <laughs> like Carol Channing or something. You're like, can't be gossip. Oh, no, I can't do Carol Channing. That was quite good. Raspberries. <laughs> and now for the can't be gossip corner. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. That was a great one. <laughs> With me, Carol Channing. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. gosh. Yeah, perfect. Anyway. Um, okay, ask Carol. What, what do we need to know? <laughs> I think that um, I love like like trolling the um, Broadway blogs and all these kind of... When they first came out, there was a lot on Broadway World and these Broadway... like blogs and vlogs and all this kind of stuff about drama that happens behind the scenes but obviously we didn't really get that because it's an older musical Mm. so I was you know going through all sorts of of different legends and gossip and all these things surrounding West Side Story and I think my favorite not really favorite but I'm most interested in the disappearance of Natalie Wood um the the way the woman just vanished and then they found her and it's all sort of mysterious circumstances and christopher walken definitely knows if you're listening you know yeah christopher walken if you're listening to this podcast you, <laughs> you need to tell me what happened i want to know what happened yeah i and how have you kept it a secret this long I, was it just those three on the boat? It was. I, I know that they were on a yacht, so it was. Yeah. Right, so give context. Yeah, it was. It was so Natalie Wood played um, Maria. Maria. Yes, in sorry. The movie in the movie production of West Side Story. Yeah, and she died very mysteriously when she was quite young. Yeah, so it's sort um, of like she was on a yacht with her. Were they married? I think they were married at that point with Robert Wagner and Christopher Walken was there. I think it was sort of a rap party for a movie they were in together. Um, and yeah, they just film it, finished filming. Uh, I can't remember what the, the movie was. Um, but yeah, I think it was like a celebration. Yeah. And it, apparently like sources have said that, she was on different medications that shouldn't have been mixed with alcohol as she was drinking anyway. Um, and apparently she was being violent and like there was an argument between her and Robert, but she was highly intoxicated is basically the, the thing is that she was very, very drunk and they found her. I'm not sure how many days later it was from the party to, to the finding of her. Um, but they found her and basically she had lacerations on her face and bruising all over her body. And it was kind of just ruled as an accidental drowning, which doesn't sit right with me. Apparently like there was like loads of stuff where like they said she must have just fallen overboard. 
but like I, there was something like Robert Wagner didn't call it in straight away. She had like I think like no shoes on, um, yeah, and like a house coat. Like it was just really odd. And it's odd as well that you would then, if your wife was highly intoxicated and not in a good mental state, that you would just go to bed. I find that really odd that you would just not at least try and you know usher her in and and calm her down and make sure that she's not stood on a boat in the middle of the ocean yeah while she's drunk and you just go to bed it doesn't sit right I don't think it, it, it's it's strange and apparently she was very frightened of water yeah well. which That's means so she wouldn't said. have jumped in like it's not or been near the edge or yeah I my personal theory is that I think she was killed and that and they then threw her overboard I don't think she was thrown overboard I think they panicked I think something had happened she was obviously intoxicated whether or not she was being violent we don't know that's just what people have said mm-hmm. if there's been some sort of argument and someone's lashed out um and I think it was they had her and Robert had an argument I think something happened like he went to grab her hit her head something like I think it was an accidental death yeah yeah but I think I they panicked. I think it's it's been a oh no, what have we done? And we've they've kind of thrown her overboard to kind of get rid of the evidence or not get rid of the evidence. Or if she's found, there's an explanation for it because yeah. she wouldn't have had these. I mean, maybe some lacerations and bruises. I don't, know. I don't want. Yeah, I don't think so. If she was found near some sort of rocks or I don't know, no. It's just very fishy, and I don't think we're ever going to know, and it really bothers me. No, it really bothers me. Apart from Christopher Walken, you still have time. <laughs> yeah, just... Okay. You can let us know. We'd love to know. Also, just on a side note, Christopher, isn't it random that Christopher Walken was in a hairspray? I... He creeps me out a little bit, Christopher Walken. <laughs> does, does he? Yeah. And I, I really like... Have you seen the original hairspray? Um, like yeah, the movie, yeah, John Waters, yeah. I love. Um, is it Jerry Stiller who plays? Yeah, Mister Turnblad in that uh-huh. in that adaptation. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I love him. Christopher, I don't know. I feel like he seems very miscast in Hairspray. Sort of. No, I know. Uh, Whereas John Travolta, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Perfect for the, a role he was born to play, some would say. I had such a heavy obsession with the 2007 version of Hairspray. I oh, me too. loved it. When it came out... It had a chokehold on me. Yeah. I think it was the first... Hang on, when did Mamma Mia come out? 2008. Yeah, so I think it was the first musical that I'd gone and sat down in the cinema to watch. Like, I'd watched all the, you know, all the old ones in on DVDs and videos and that sort of thing. Um, because I hadn't been to a theatre at that point and sat and watched a, 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 full, a full-scale production. Uh-huh. Um, and it was kind of the first time I'd gone to the cinema and watched a musical. And it was just, I loved it. I was so obsessed. It's just, it was so good. Zac Efron actually sounded great. Even though, did he sing in that? Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, uh yeah, and also, what's his name? Because I actually weirdly fancy him. The guy that plays Corny Collins. James Marsden. Yeah, I kind of fancy him. Yeah, he's quite a silver fox. Something. Yeah. 
something about no. that man, honestly. And even like in Dead to Me, I know he's a horrible character, but like I still fancy him. <laughs> um, I love Dead to Me as well. That is yeah, oh, such a good TV show. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, but so West Side Story. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I was, it's kind of hard. It's not really a show mired in controversy. Um, but this is kind of a sweet thing that I just think is very cute. And it just makes me want to like give Sondheim a little hug is he always said that he, whenever he listened to West Side Story, he was really upset with like, not really upset, but he was like, Oh God, those lyrics are so awful. And like, Oh, that was such a bad word to use. Like, I think he he kind of cites "I feel pretty." There's like some words, and "I feel pretty" that he's like Maria wouldn't use that language and blah, blah blah. Um, and to me, like that just proves Sondheim is like one of the best, um, kind of geniuses in musical theatre because he's just constantly trying to, um, improve. You know, and like, it's like it's like one of the most successful shows of all time. He realistically could have been like, yeah. I'm a genius, uh, and yet he was like, "No, I just he's so critical. I wish I could go back. Yeah, yeah so self-critical." But I just think it's so funny because, yeah, there there are there are definitely some lyrics which are, and by any other standard, beautiful, incredible lyrics. But by Sondheim standard, I can see why he was, you know, perhaps not happy with them because of the kind of genius levels that he hit. Um, but I find it. I almost find it perfect for that because all of the characters really, apart from like Doc and Officer Krupke, they're all young. So any kind of silly error, I think it it kind of works, you know? It just, it fits in with the kind of naivety and like kind of exasperated youth language and context of the show anyway, that it I never feel like it, it never sounds to me like it's out of place you know um but I just always think that's funny that he was so self-critical of that he's even even like two three years ago when the um female production art like when Bobby was female in company and he Mm -hmm. even said didn't he that he doesn't know why he didn't originally write this role for a female um yeah so for an actress because it makes so much more sense and he was like really critical of that which I just think is yeah. Which I don't agree with. I I think it's it's. I think it, the whole thing with company is that it's such a universal feeling I that think it can easily be. I both. don't think it should be a female character or a male character. I think it fits with both. Yeah, I definitely. think, and that's almost the whole point I of think it. What I liked about a female Bobby was the sort of added, um, because obviously Bobby feels this pressure to kind of get with somebody and kind of move on with life and and get to that point of being settled and you know have some company surprise you know um (laughs) ha 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 um but the having a female bobby sort of it it it's like more desperate i think it's more of a because you have the added thing of fertility and you should like children and they have the whole scene don't they which is originally what is it originally in in company on stage the is it a sort of dance that April does? TikTok. Uh, TikTok. 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 Yeah. And it's kind of taken out and replaced with this montage of, of Bobby mm. with a baby and then with another baby. I'm trying to juggle yeah. work and children and a marriage. And it's really... 
Yeah, the stakes are just different for a woman because yeah. you also have the outward pressure of like, oh, you don't want to be a spinster. Yeah. And things like that. That's what but I, I think enjoyed. Like, oh, yeah, I love the female adaption, but like, I, th- I just think him saying like, oh, it should have always been a female role. It's like, I just feel like it should have been like a genderless role that whatever adaption is, you then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it can be done by male, female, non-binary. It could be genderless. Mm-hmm. Like, I think any way that you direct it, it's perfect because it's such a universal feeling, if yeah. that makes sense. Okay, so this is where it gets really exciting. We have a chance to do our own fantasy casting with three well-known faces in our own fantasy production. But there's a special twist, and it's extra special because we have a magic generator, which is going to help us pick out three random names. Now, these names could either be well-known musical theatre performers, they could be actors, they could be actresses, they could be TV personalities, as well as a few wild cards thrown in there as well. So lots to look forward to. So without further ado, let's find out who we have today. Okay, first randomly generated name is Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I love that. Who on earth could... Also, just a side note. Hunt Riff. (laughs) Yeah, it would be Riff. It would be Riff. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. You know what I... I think his most terrifying Matthew McConaughey performance is him and Magic Mike. He's so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> that character in Magic Mike makes me feel absolutely sick to my stomach. I I hate the little creepy leather trousers. I hate how oily <laughs> he is. Why is yeah, he so Riff, oily in that movie? Riff, there you go. Yeah, Riff is perfect. Oh, that's so good. Could you imagine him as like... I imagine him when he was younger, he would have been quite a good like... Obviously not excellent casting because he's not Puerto Rican. Um, but but yeah, I think he would have been a good Bernardo. I think he had the anger for it. Yeah. Okay. Rerunning. Oh my God, this is so random. <laughs> uh, okay, Sofia Vergara. Anita. Anita. Hands. Yeah, 100%. Hands down. Easily. Oh my god, could you, I mean, I think she could still do it now, but she is obviously a lot older than Anita, but could you imagine a young Sofia Vergara? Oh, that would yeah. be incredible. Ah! Her rendition so of America would be so good. <laughs> and she's got, and she's got that sexiness that Anita needs, like, yeah. But like, smart as well, you know? Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Oh my god, she would be so good. <laughs> Um, okay. Sorry, it's just loading. Third. Okay. Uh, okay. (laughs) Andrew Rannells. (laughs) Oh, Tony, I'd say. Tony, but... Now, this is a bit of a rogue thing. What about cute little anybody's? If they did like a gender fluid anybody's, could you imagine little Andrew Reynolds? I think that would be quite cute. I like it when they get anybody's to sing. I've seen a few productions where they get anybody's to sing um, somewhere. Oh, really? Yeah, and I it's actually gorgeous. It works really well. I could imagine as like a little outsider singing that Andrew Reynolds doing that. Oh, <gasps> that would be cute. 
<laughs> yeah. Also, we're talking about fantasy casting. There is someone that we have not discussed who loves West Side Story so much that she decided to play all the characters. Who am I talking about, girls? Cher. The one and only Cher. Do you believe? Do, do you believe? <laughs> For anyone who has not seen This Majesty, for some, I don't, unknown reason, Cher in, I think it was like 1991, I want to say, I could have made that up. Um, she, let me find out what it was. No, it was earlier than that, wasn't it? Wasn't it the 70s? The Cher show was the 70s, I'm sure. Yeah, sorry, I am talking complete rubbish. Um, 1978, she decided to do a 12-minute medley of West Side Story where she played every single part using <laughs> Green God. And it is one of the best things I've ever witnessed. And, dare I say, like, obviously it's funny and it's camp and it's... Burr. She's actually very good. <laughs> She's really good. The technology for that, I'm sorry, in the, in the 70s, the fact that she managed to pull that off. I know, and her, when they do a ball like that and she's Anita and Maria... And they're kind of just staring at each other through a very obvious green screen is one of the funniest things we've ever seen. But she also <laughs> plays four jets. Um, and it's really, she kind of, dare I say, four f- fully realized characters. <laughs> um, yeah, if you've not watched it, it's the best thing ever. It cheers me up when I'm sad. And I kind of love, like, you know when people are like, oh, vanity projects. I would pay to watch Cher do any musical where she played all the literally parts. i feel the same way there's a really similar video around about the same time of bet midler doing um in the mood but she sings all oh three God. parts with herself oh <laughs> so it's so it's like three bet midlers all stood together on a stage in like coordinating outfits and they're all singing oh my god um, so good oh bet midler i love you queen oh Protect that woman at all costs. And now to end our first episode with a new tradition that we're starting here on Sunday on the pod. Every week, a performer friend of ours is going to add to our cast album and sing a number from the show that we've been covering. So for our very first week, we have Thomas Cook, a wonderful, wonderful singer, dancer, actor, performer friend of ours. He is going to be singing Maria from West Side Story for us. Tom can be found at Tom O'Cook on all socials and we'll be dropping a link to his cover in the description and on our socials. So please, please support Tom by taking a little listen to his cover. Thank you so much for listening to our first ever episode on West Side Story. Uh, this has been Sunday on the Pod with... Pretty. Witty. And gay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>